Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sanderland podcast. I am Jamie, and with me, as always, is Jack, Joe, and Dean. And this week, we are covering Mistborn Book Three, The Hero of Ages, chapters 57 through to 61, wherein Vin and Ruin have a chat in Vin's cell. Uh, things don't exactly go according to plan in Urtal, and Spook, by some miracle, actually figured out why Kelsia was talking to him. I was quite impressed with him. Ten soon reunites with the crew in Urtal as well. Vin has a chance to give her account of events to Yeoman about the Lord Ruler's death, and Elland returns to camp with his extra Colossus army. So things are definitely starting to speed up now. Uh, hold on to something, everybody. The Sandal Edge is about to begin. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust, the foundations of our hope begin to rust. Choking fear, screaming sound, as a reaper comes to ground, you turn to face it down because you must. And when the world is starts to burn, at the point of no So some exciting stuff happened in these chapters. Just FYI, I'm getting over a cold here, so if my voice is a little uh, messed up. I hope it's not annoying for anybody. But uh, what did you guys think of these five chapters this week? Yeah, these are pretty good. The stuff with Ruin, I think, was the, the highlight. Just, yeah, having Vin figure out how all that works and trying to get inside Ruin's head to see a bit more of that. I think that was really my favorite part of these chapters. The rest of it's all pretty, uh, pretty cool. The... I mean, obviously the stuff in Urto uh, heated up a bit. Shit, that was a terrible pun. I'm sorry. Uh, I was about uh, to say, was... like, very literally. So yeah. that was that was not intentional. I swear. I was yeah. gonna I was gonna point it out, and then I was like, oh, maybe I won't. And then no one pointed it out. And then I was like, oh, every time you say something that's a bit punny, and there's nothing, you're like, oh, tumbleweed. <laughs> no, I, I swear. Half the time, I don't even realize I'm doing it. I, I don't even like puns. But no, like the the whole situation with Erto was was pretty fascinating. Again, the, all the ruin stuff was really cool. Spook finally figuring it out and sorting out Quillian. So yeah, like a lot of a lot of stuff going down. Curious to see where this all goes. Wish Ten sooner gotten there sooner, but oh, well, what can you do? Yeah, we didn't we didn't get dueling Kelsiers. Sorry. Damn. Well, you can't have everything in life, can you? Nope. Yeah, these chapters were, were okay. Uh, I feel like we've gone back to a little bit of setup here, but we do get lots of good knowledge nuggets sprinkled in here. So, yeah, the chapter with Ellen coming back, I don't know why that stuck in my, out in my mind first, because it's like, I think it's the last chapter that we read. Yeah, that, that might be why, because it was the most recent one you read. Yeah, the, the one that Ellen comes back, I feel like he's going to attack Fadrex. I, I'm surprised that he's going against what the Miss Spirit was inclining him to do, but I guess maybe he he's not fully aware. I mean, he he's not aware like we are that that was preservation spirit or body or whatever. So right. So I'm a little. I was I was pretty surprised by that. You know, we get we get confirmed, which we we pretty much already knew that he that uh, Yeoman burns Adium, and uh, yeah, we find out that it doesn't sound like. He has much stock in the Adium anyway, which he makes a really good point, which I feel like we've talked about throughout the series. It's like 
Well, I mean, if the whole empire collapses, then really what's the economical value of Adium, uh, especially now that they have Electrum? So right. uh, that, was, that was definitely interesting information. Ruin appearing before a lot of people in this one, which I thought was interesting. Appearing in front of Vin and Spook as Kelsier, and then Spook figuring some stuff out for himself, and then almost burning alive. So that was uh, that was definitely definitely some interesting stuff going on in these chapters. Yeah, I I liked all these little knowledge nuggets as Joe puts it that we got in here. I was quite impressed that Spook actually figured out what was going on, but on some levels he probably just feels like Kelsier was cheating on him. So you know, poor guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he um. Yeah, I didn't expect him to then be like, you know what, I'm going to rip all these spikes out and we, we don't want anyone talking to Kelsia. So that uh, that surprised me. I thought he would feel a little bit too invested in all the power to actually see what was going on. But okay, Spook, I'll give you that one. I also really liked the conversation between Ruin and Vin. I think we got, well, Vin definitely got a lot of information and I guess we got some sort of confirmation of things we were thinking about too in that discussion, which was which was nice. And Vin and, and Yeoman as well in the, I guess, trial, sort of. I don't know. Yeoman's a bit weird. Yeah, that was that was sort of interesting too. I'm, I'm pleased that Vin's been trying to make attempts to escape at least. But, yeah, it's going to be very, very hard without her medals at all. So we'll see what happens there next. But overall, good read. I really liked it. Vin actually manages to kind of trick Ruin into saying some stuff, which... I feel it gives everyone hope that maybe you can overcome this thing if it's uh, not so smart that Vin can't get some information out of it. Yeah, and I think, I think I, I don't know if I said last week, She's she seems to be the only person who is actually aware of what the voice is. Yeah, until Spook in because, these chapters, yeah. Yeah, until, until Spook. I mean, even Spook is probably not entirely certain it's ruined, but he now knows it's not Kelsier. Yeah. So there's something weird going on there. I mean, I guess Vin doesn't know why the like why ruin can talk to her but it's like they've just dropped the facade completely and gone you know what let's have a real discussion because you clearly know that i'm not rain mm-hmm. um which is that's definitely a unique position for her so it's pretty cool to see her be able to sort of manipulate that to how she wants it to go ruin just needs someone to talk to yes <laughs> it's very it's like, have you tried talking to an inquisitor it doesn't work <laughs> yeah something we we didn't mention or i didn't mention earlier when i was talking about the chapters as well is i feel like we have confirmation now that vin hat must be spiked because because once they took the spikes out they couldn't see ruin anymore yeah he disappeared yeah mm, interesting okay yeah you called that day one well as soon as, as, soon as, as soon as he started appearing right uh okay i guess let's get into these chapters the first epigraph is one of the shorter ones that we've had, so maybe Joe's happy about that. Uh, but the person says, I've come to see that each of the powers has three aspects, a physical one, a spiritual one in the unseen energy that permeates the world, and a cognitive one in the minds that control that energy. And there's more to this that even I do not yet comprehend. So hmm. metaphysical stuff happening here. Well, if he doesn't comprehend it, I certainly don't. Yep. Yeah, this is ones that I was like, okay, yep, I can sort of. Yep, I get it. Just move on. We'll find out more about it later. <laughs> I'm in the process right now of trying to endear myself to Spook. I'm playing Final Fantasy VII, and I've named the main character Spook. So maybe uh, that'll maybe that'll help me enjoy the name Spook more. Or else it just means your main character is going to die over and over and over again. 
I guess I could do that, but that seems like a waste of time. That's true. I mean, at least you didn't make it to, you know, where Spook was uh, Sid or something. Yeah, I haven't gotten that far yet. Or Cat Sith, someone you're never going to use. Actually, I, I end up using Sid quite a bit because he's one of the only um, he's one of the only party members that gets a triple materia growth weapon. That's true. Him and Cloud. And is there one more? Does Tifa have one? I think maybe just him and Cloud. Uh, yeah, I think it may just be him and Cloud. Anyway, back to the Final Fantasy podcast. Okay, so I like, and there's there's a funny annotation that goes with it. The first paragraph, or uh, or well, the second paragraph of this, uh, the first chapter, she's like, I wonder if I'm crazy. But if I was, I guess there'd really be no way for me to figure it out. So I guess I just got to move on. And the epigraphs, or the, sorry, the uh, annotation says, I love Vin's paragraph deciding if she's crazy or not. Zane spent his entire adult adult life debating this issue, trying to determine whether he was really insane or not. Vin, she gives herself a couple seconds to think about it, realizes that if she is crazy, there's no way to know, and decides that that line of reasoning is useless. So, yeah, very different. Am I crazy? Ah, who cares? I got shit to do. (laughs) I'm not crazy. My mother had me tested. (laughs) Was that what happened in the child? Oh, let's not go there. But she's thinking about, like, Ruin and how Ruin appears to her and the stuff he says. And she, she starts to come up with some pretty insightful things. She's like, like, he keeps telling me to kill the guards, even though there's no way for me to do that. So it's kind of like, like, he's not really paying, like, it's a general thing, just he wants he wants you to kill stuff all the time. It's not really specifically directed at the situation. She also finds out she still has her thousand coloss, so she's like, I wonder if there's something I could do with that. I really liked that she was like, huh, it's like a general, just that general voice. It's like, so that you're constantly aware that this voice wants you to kill something. So it's not that they're actually aware of everything you're doing at every single point of the day. Like, I really like that because we know that that's pretty much what Zane was going through. This voice of like, kill him, kill him, kill him. But it wasn't someone actually being like, kill him. Yeah, was pretty Zane's voice was never very specific until the end where it was like, oh, you know, what's funny. Yeah. You were never crazy at all. Yeah. But yeah, the Coloss are not good at delivering messages, not in words, not in other ways. So she's like, OK, I don't, I don't know if that's going to work out. And then Ruin shows up. He's like, I'm disappointed in you, Vin. The last time you were in jail, you like overthrew the Lord Ruler within a day. Which I guess that's true. She had help, though. And Vin is sitting here like, why does he keep coming? Just, like, make fun of me. Like, I don't understand. And once again, she goes back to, like, put Yeoman's on your side, clearly. And I like Ruin's take. He's like, you just don't understand, Vin. You're all on my side. I created you, and you all do what I want. It's like, you can't fight me. Just fighting advances my goals. So good men will kill as quickly for what they want as evil men. Only the things they want are different. It's not... Maybe not entirely true, but not entirely false either, given it's what like, it's, Yeah, it's not untrue. And so she's like, okay, well, I guess you you win then. And he's like, you don't understand. There was ne- there's never a contest. I was always, uh, this was what was going to happen. It's not winning and losing. But she's intuiting that it's like Ruin is gloating. No matter what he says, he wants to show off that he's beat something. He's won. And she makes some interesting uh, logical leaps here that work out really well for her. Going all the way back to her lessons with Kelsier about, like, uh, the first rule of Valenancy. And so she intuits that there had to be another force, an equal and opposite force to this guy, because that's that's how things work. And he tells her that preservation is dead. And she's like, you killed him? And he's like, well, yes, but no. He gave of himself to to craft a cage, though his throes of agony have lasted several thousand years. Now, finally, he's gone. And she realizes it's like, that's what it was, like. 
Something that was the opposite of Ruin couldn't have destroyed him, but it could have imprisoned him. And I like that later when Ruin mentions that, she's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, I already figured that out. And he, Ruin has an interesting point where he's like, hey, me and Preservation had a deal, and Preservation tried to get out of it. So wouldn't you call that evil? Yeah, he's a Welcher, a no-good Welcher. And Brandon actually mentions this in the annotations where he's like, look, Preservation did betray Ruin. That brings us on to shaky ground of morality, uh, lying to achieve a greater good. But if, uh, you know, it's the end of the entire world that's at stake, then maybe you'd betray somebody, too. Yeah, it's cosmic forces. They got their own morality. Mm. And uh, Ruin, I don't know if any if uh, if we should believe him or not, but he tells Vin, you know, the time is here, the end. And she says, how long? And he says, days, but not weeks. So that's not long. I mean, this is assuming that, one, he's right, two, he's telling the truth. And three, there is actually nothing they can do to oppose him. So there's a lot of ifs there, buddy. A lot of assumptions we have to make, and I don't know that any of us trust Ruin, so... Well, dude's trying to end the world. Like, why would you want to trust the word of someone who's doing that? (laughs) Right? We don't want to trust him, but we can see what's happening. You know, the ash falls and the earthquakes and eruptions of volcanoes. Okay, maybe they've got months, but things are really bad and and areas are already being destroyed. So, Mm -hmm. eh. I'd probably, I'd probably take that on board as a things are really gonna speed up now. Yeah. Well, and and that's the next epigraph we get to here is like, so once you understand these things, and it's referring to how each of the powers has like three parts: the physical, the cognitive, and the spiritual. So preservation gave up its mind, expanded to create the prison for ruin, and even though most of preservation's consciousness is destroyed, the other two parts, the spirit and the body, are still there. And they can still oppose Ruin and prevent him from destroying, or at least keep him from destroying too quickly. Once his mind was freed from its prison, the destruction accelerated quickly. Which, yeah, things have gotten a lot worse since he got out. I don't think there's a question about that. Okay, so the next chapter, we cut to Sazed. He's got his counterweights and things set up, and they're talking about how they're going to bring the water back. I guess it's it's been a few weeks now, because it looks like it's about done, and he said it was going to take weeks. So, And so the plan is... They're going to go, they're going to start some shit, and when they get the message, the soldiers are supposed to throw the switch and bring the water back. But if no message comes, do it at nightfall anyway. And don't forget to twist the ceiling mechanism in the other room, because that plugs the flow of water out. And we want to keep our lake of water. As Dak said, uh, we don't want to lose that. Yeah, and they don't really mention that that happened uh, when, when, we event- when we eventually get to that later, I mean, other stuff's going on. Spook doesn't really have time to plug the hole. I'm like, did we just... just did we fuck that up? Maybe. I'm going to take that as a yes. I mean, yeah, he definitely didn't seem to have time to go into the other room and twist a knob or something after he did what he did, so... He had other shit going on. He no longer had skin. Yeah, that's a problem. But then him and, him and Belgery have a whole conversation, and she's like, no, please don't do this. Give him more time. And Kelsier's like, nah. We got to do what has to be done. And like this book says, okay, you stay with the soldiers. I'm going to leave four men to guard you, not to keep you from running, but they will keep you from running. So, but the streets are not going to be safe tonight. So you don't want to go out there. It turns out that it wasn't safe for those guards, but that's a whole other thing. Well, they had no way of knowing that. Well, yeah. But uh, as we've said repeatedly, Spook and the crew probably should have been more suspicious of Veldry this whole time. 100%. So they all go out there. Quellian's making a speech. Dern says that he's going to denounce Spook and order an attack on the ministry building finally. And I like Spook's like, well, it's a good thing we won't be there then. 
And it's like Chris Rock says, if your enemy knows where you are, then don't be there. Thank you, Chris Rock. Yes. Okay, so Qualian's talking and Spook's not really paying attention. And then stuff starts to go wrong in the city. Dern sends words, riots in the streets once he didn't start and cannot control. The city is beginning to burn. And Kelsier's voice is like, uh, it was a night like this one. A glorious night when I took the city of Luthadel and made it mine. Which also is not really what happened. Yeah. He was dead, but I guess kind of, sort of, almost. Also, the way that this part is written, it makes it sound like at least the perspectives are, seem kind of off to me. It almost sounds like this is what Spook is thinking. Yeah. Well, and he actually, Brandon, talks about that in the annotations. He's like, you have to remember, I use a limited narrator, not an omniscient one. When I'm writing a scene from a character's view- viewpoint, the text is colored by what they think in their view of the world. So he talks about a line in here that the editor and everyone else tried to get him to cut, where the line says, he says, it says something like, it was a night much like this, the night when he had overthrown the Lord Ruler, with the narrative making it clear that he was Spook. And so he's like, they wanted to get me to take that out, because obviously that's not... That doesn't make any sense. But the line is deliberate because by this point, Ruin has his claws so deep into Spook that he's making him begin to think things that just aren't true. And it's getting difficult for Spook to distinguish between Ruin's fantasies and reality. And yeah, Spook's sitting here. He's like, last time they put Ellen on the throne. This time it's going to be me. I'm going to be King Spook. Yeah, he's Justin Timberlake in that song, you know, he's like, it's going to be me. For some reason, I don't know why. I thought you were like, yeah, he's Justin Timberlake in Trolls. And I was like, Trolls. that doesn't make any sense at all. But I've never seen that film. I have not either. You know, I have kids, so we see those kind of things. And some of the music's pretty good. So, uh, But anyway, Spook jumps up there, and he's like, I'm going to fight Quellian. And really, he just kind of goes after him. I mean, he starts beating the guards first. And Quellian's like, oh, shit, i got to get out of here. Quellian screams, I don't fear you. I'm protected. And Kelsier, of course, is like, kill him. But I like the moment where there's a thug. About to fight Spook, and Spook's like, no, your family's free. We saved them earlier. Help us capture Quellian. He no longer has a hold on you. And it almost seems like that moment where Vin recruits Gorodel in the first book. And then the thug pauses, and <laughs> Kelsier goes, kill him, and Spook kills him. Yeah. Spook, you're not uh, you're not doing yourselves any favor there, bud. No. That just looked like an asshole, man. I mean, come on. It was like, did anyone else hear that, or was it just like the two of them and possibly Quellian who heard it? Uh, probably, I mean, with all the craziness going on, probably just them, but still. Yeah. Oh, dick move either way, but probably no one's going to hold it against him, even though he probably deserves it. It even says the guy lowered his weapon, so anyone looking on would have seen, like, him talking to this guy, and the guy lower his weapon, and then Spook kill him, but anyway. He's about to kill Quellian. He doesn't even really try to do something to trick him into using Alamancy like he'd been planning out before. He's just going to, he just grabs him and is going to kill him. And that's when Beldry shows up, and he's like, wait, how did you, what? And she is... It says he can't hear her, but he can kind of he can tell what she's saying from across the, the distance. Like, please, you promised. And Kelsier screaming, kill him. And Spook gets hit by a coin. And he realizes that all along it's been Beldry who was the coin shot and not Quellian. But that's it, enough proof for all the people watching. They're like, the sis- citizen sister's an Alamancer and he kept her alive. Get her. Yeah, it really brings credence to when Beldry said earlier, like, he's he's, he's not going to be he's not going to defend himself. Right. He couldn't. At least not in that way. He does have a spike, as we find out here in a moment. But it really seems like Penrod's sort of spike, where like it doesn't actually give him any powers that we know of. It just brings him under Ruin's control. I thought uh, I thought based on his situation, it probably helps him find Alamancers. 
Well, yeah, and I was going to say, I think there's, uh, in the annotation somewhere, uh, it says that that's what it is. He got the power of bronze. Because mm-hmm, it says spike. it's a bronze spike. Yeah. Yeah, and, I'm uh, still a bit confused on, like, like, does it need to be the same metal spike taking the power through the, through the right? person who has the power and then giving it to you, depending on where it lands in the body? I really need to, I need that mapped out. Yeah, yeah, and I can show you guys after we're done the whole uh, the whole chart. It's an interesting, uh, it's weird, it's it's strange and counterintuitive in a lot of ways. So it's it's not as easy to understand as you right. need that metal going through that guy. But I mean, it makes sense because you know he's finding all of these people and surrounding himself with alamancers, so it makes sense that he's able to find them. That's true. I hadn't thought of that. But Quellian apparently got that power from one of the first alamancers that he captured, and uh, uh, he apparently was never completely stable. So, uh, he, uh, Ruin was able to convince him to spike himself. So, let's see. Brandon also says in the annotations, most of my alpha readers thought at this point in the book I would make Spook's storyline a tragedy, and he would snap here and become a villain. And he was like, if this was a middle novel and not the end of the trilogy, I might have done something like that. But we're, like, closing in on the end here, so it wasn't really the time for that. And so, uh, Kelsier starts telling him, telling Spook, he's like, hey, you were waiting for an assassin. You didn't realize Quillian already sent his assassin, but she's a pampered rich girl, so she she couldn't kill you. She was not used to killing. And people start screaming. They want to make Spook king. And Kelsier's like, okay, now you got to kill her. And Spook's like, wait, what? He's like, hey, Kel- power has to come from somewhere. If you, she's a coin shot, if you kill her, I will give her power to you. And the funny thing is, it's it's this this thing that we've been ragging on Spook for that like girls. He just doesn't think straight about girls. If this had been a guy and uh, Kelsey was like, kill him and take his power, maybe Spook would have fallen for it, but it's a pretty girl. And so he's like, no, wait, this isn't right. Oh, yeah, that is exactly what went through my head. I was like, man, if you were a dude, you'd be dead before you, before <laughs> you could blink. I don't uh, I didn't read it that way. I read it like Spook sees through the logic. He's like, wait a minute. You're telling me that this power came from someone mm-hmm. like this power has to come from her for me to get it. Then. Where does my power come from? Like I, I just thought he saw through the logic of it, but maybe not. Okay. I mean that yeah, that's another Yeah, way me too. Maybe we were just looking for something good in Spook, Joe. Yeah. We just <laughs> we're like, oh yeah, maybe I you mean, do have another brain. <laughs> our respect for women is also good, but uh and, and a want to be nice to them, that's also good. But uh but yeah, I mean I feel like he just he, he might have seen the logic of it and be like, Well, well and and part, I mean, he definitely, he's like, wait a second. And he rips off his blindfold thing and he looks out and sees the city burning. And he's like, this is wrong. And Kelsier screaming at him. He's like, no, you have to do this. You'll be this powerful as you always wanted. You'll be like Ellen and Vin, but better. You'll be like a god. And once he starts, once you start seeing through it a little bit, then that kind of like insistence probably just looks even shadier. Like, wait a second, you're saying you're going to turn me into a god now. This is, okay, this is messed up. And then Quellian is reaching out towards the Kelsier figure, and he's saying, please, my lord Kelsier, why have you forsaken me? Which is an excellent question. Like, Ruin had his hooks in this guy, and he had control over the city. Why did he just throw him under the bus for Spook? I think the destruction. That's what he wants. He wants the city to be destroyed, because he's Ruin. I guess, but it seems like Quellian was already in position to do that. I don't know. It may be a long, a big ask to ask of the guy who's in charge of the city. Just burn it all down. Yeah, fair. And so uh, Spook begins to realize, he's like, wait, this is when that all started, when I got that other piece of metal in me, which I've now almost forgotten about. And he finds one in Quellian, too, and pulls it out. 
and Quellian screams and Kelsier screams. And Spook's like, what is wrong? What are, what are you? And he realizes finally, this is not Kelsier. This is something else and not something good. And Spook starts to take his own spike out. And Kelsier's like, no, don't do it. You want to go back to being useless again? But Spook's, he's gone too far. Now. He's like, no, this is, this is messed up. I just, I forgot all about our plan. I was just trying to destroy and kill. And this isn't cool. He also makes and, the point that we, sorry, we, uh, but we talked about this in a, in a few episodes about how he actually forgot completely about this, about the sword shard that he had through him. Yep. And it's like, Oh, it's nice to get that confirmed. So he actually did completely forget that. Oh yeah. I got stabbed. Right. And I think that was, I think it was Jamie who was like, so do they just forget these? Like, and yeah, it looks like they kind of do. And it's almost like he's put all the pieces back together. Now it's like, well, hang on a minute. Logically, this doesn't make sense. Let me, let me go back through everything. Oh, wait, I got stabbed. He said, leave it in there. Huh. <laughs> if I take it out, maybe he'll disappear. You know, and he was proven right. So now that I know not to trust this guy, maybe I should take out that piece of sword that he told me to leave. Yeah. But without the sword, he has no pewter. And so he kind of collapses. He's been going for a while, uh, not sleeping much and stuff, kind of like Vin in the previous book. So it hits him once his pewter has gone. But as he's lying there about to pass out, we get her city is burning. Thousands will die in the flames. Do you want to be like Kelsier? Really like Kelsier? Then fight when you're beaten. Survive. And he gets up thanks to his tin. You want to be like Kelsier? You're going to need to be dead. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's probably uh, not too far off. And I thought it was interesting, too, because it's like, okay, I'm going to turn off my tin. And we were talking earlier, you know, we know the effects of like a pewter drag having the tin effectively now it's the tin drag i guess would he have been able to cope with as much as he could without his tin if he hadn't been using it so much um it was almost like i I think we talked about that in the in one of the epigraphs they talk basically they describe uh, alamanic savants and i think that's basically that's what he's become he's become a tin savant so like the special kind of weird properties that happened to him when he stopped burning it only happened because he's been burning it for so so long yeah yeah he manages it's like having hypersensitivity for so long without the hypersensitivity he's like numb almost and that lets him get through the flames here in a minute Mm. it is still sort of like pewter dragging that because that same epigraph mentioned that people who burn pewter a lot tend to become um, savants without realizing it so it makes it it sort of makes sense that then those people who experience pewter drag, even though they're like savants, like it really comes back the other way on them. Makes sense that tin would do the same. A tin savant. Actually, if I remember correctly, I think it was bronze that you tend to become a savant, or co- bronze and copper maybe. Was it if bronze? I remember, yeah, if I remember right, what he, what they say about pewter savants is that like few people survive the process of becoming one. Oh, I got those mixed up. My bad. Apparently, pewter really does something to your body if you do that with it. If I'm remembering right, maybe you, you could be right, but I'm, I, I think that's what it was. Uh, now I'm going to have to look it up because it's going to bother me. Uh, okay, yeah. Men become bronze savants without knowing it, and their range is expanded from burning the metal so long. Becoming a pewter savant is dangerous as it requires pushing the body so hard in a state where one cannot feel exhaustion or pain. Most accidentally kill themselves before the process is complete. And in my opinion, the benefit isn't worth the effort. Well, I was wrong. Never mind. Oh, but yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, being a tin savant, uh, it, it has done some weird stuff to him, it feels like. But Sazed is like, okay, er, everything is going, like, the city's burning, the riots are out of control, we're going to die if we stay here, we got to go. And Spook's like, no, we can't abandon the city. 
we got to find a way to put out the fires. We need water. And Belger's like, wait, water? The canals? And Belger's like, I'm sorry. I, I attacked the guards that you left with coins. So they're not going to be turning on the water. And he's like, are they dead? And she's like, I don't know. I didn't look. <laughs> like, she's, she's not used to killing people. She shot coins and ran without paying much attention to what it, they did. And so I like Spook walks away. He's like, okay, wait. Here we go. Quellian, get up. You want to be king of the city? Then lead the people. Help them control the fires. And he's like, no, I can't. They're going to kill me for what I did. He's like, I'll, it's like, bitch, I'll kill you. I'll just enjoy it more. Uh, I don't remember where that quote's from. <laughs> I mean, totally fair. It's like, honestly, look, this mess is sort of your fault as much as mine. So I'm going to go try and fix it. You should do the same. That quote is apparently from Blade Trinity, by the way. Oh, <laughs> uh, why are you reminding us of that movie's existence? I know, right? There's no reason. Also, we already did an episode like a few weeks ago with like a massive Wesley Snipes segue. That's true. Yep. It's been Triple done, H's man. finest work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. Uh, but no, he's like, you're going to go and you're going to help and you're going to shut up or I'm going to kill you right now. And so he sends Gordel and Quellian to go with Breeze and Alrian and try to get stuff under control. And the rest of them go to the building to try to turn on the water. And Beldry's really sorry about what she did about hitting him with a coin. She's like, I'm sorry. I couldn't let you kill him. And Spook's like, no, it's all right. Something, something was messed up. I, I needed to be, get hit by a coin, apparently, to realize what the heck was going on. So I wonder what he thinks that actually was, what he thinks Ruin was. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if he uh, is up to, like, what Vin and Ellen know about Ruin and the, you know, the caches and uh, everything they were doing hunting around. And he's just like, did I just get, in, like, invaded by the Body Snatchers or something? That's a good question. We don't really know how much Spook knows about uh, the Well of Ascension and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I figured they probably caught him up while I was sending him out on missions and and stuff like that. But it really seems like uh, maybe this is feeding into his inferiority complex. But they they don't. Vin Vin and Ellen have really only seemed to talk about this when he wasn't around. So I guess it just depends on what we on what he was told before he came to Urto. Well, and we even when when they realize they, the building's on fire and they can't get in, we get more of kind of his inferiority thing where he's like, "Oh, I'm just spook. I can't do anything." He left a note for the crew when he died and, like, had specific jobs for everyone, but not Spook, the one who didn't fit in. And then there's some italicized text that says, I named you Spook. You were my friend. Isn't that enough? And Spook decides to run in to the burning building. He turns off his tin and becomes numb just as the fire gets too bad and manages to push through Survivor of the Flames his way down to the cavern and throw the lever. And then he falls down and passes out. Ugh. Yeah, I don't need to go into too much detail about uh, what it says about, he, you know, he burns up pretty good. Yeah, it, we don't need to. It's gross. It's pretty brutal. But it's fine. It's Spook being very heroic is the end of is the end result here. And to be fair, it's partially a problem of his own creation that he's fixing. But uh, yeah, so and, are the problems that Vin is currently facing. So I like I legitimately thought he died here. I thought, well, well, you know, the building's burning down. He's just collapsed in it. Like, he's not making out of that. And then the next chapter, it turns out that he does. And I'm like, look, I'm ambivalent towards Spook. Like, he's done some bad things. He's done some good things. Um, that was a pretty cool act uh, at the end there. I'm like, all right, no worries, no worries. He should not be alive. Like, how the fuck did he survive that? Well... Part of it is the the wood building was burning down, but he was down in the stone cache. So the area that he was actually in when he passed out is not still burning. It's the upstairs that's burning. 
I guess. Uh, so it's not uh, like, the, you know, burning wood was going to fall on him and burn him alive, but he did get burned super badly. So I, I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. And plus, the, like, there was like, yeah, while the wooden building was burning, there's no way anyone else can get in behind him to save him. So right. who knows how long he was down there unconscious, burned alive. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've, I'm just like, I don't hate the guy, but I'm like, how the fuck have you, you should not be alive. <laughs> but I guess, you know, they, they call him the survivor of the flames. So, yeah, there you, go. you know, it, I guess it gives him, it gives him that sort of purpose and, you know, I guess as an individual, even though he's he's sort of been a bit misguided in the last little bit with the voice of Kelsia, that part of the story can still plug in as we go. So it's not like, oh, the survivor of the flame saved us all, but oh, now he's dead and he died in a fire. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was expecting I was expecting things to not end well for him here, but I wasn't totally surprised to realise that he survived it. Yeah, I don't know. I think I probably thought he was dead the first time too. But when he does survive, I was kind of like, okay, I, I I buy it. Let's just let's move forward. So we begin part five called Trust. And we kind of abruptly change over to the talking about the Coloss, where it's like, I don't know what went on in the minds of the Coloss. The discovery of the one creature named Human was very fortu- fortunate. Without his struggle, we might never have understood the link between the Coloss, Hemalurgy, and Inquisitors. Of course, there was another part for him to play. Granted, not large, but still important, all things considered. So we haven't seen the last of Human is what that tells us. I'm sure everyone is thrilled. I mean, human's one of the best characters. I don't care what anyone else says. He's great. Yeah, Dak, Dak wants the human Tensoon Marsh show. We've, we've, we've established this. The the Ruin Trio. I don't, I don't, that's not a good name. But then we get uh, Tensoon showing up. In his, uh, in, with, I, you guys may have been very disappointed that he didn't walk into town in Kelsier Bones, but uh, he makes a good point that it's like that might have been uh, a bit much. But I love Tenso when he comes in, he's like, man, Vin really did a good job here. This place is wrecked. It does seem like Vin has been there. That, that's kind of, uh, I buy it. She does break Ah, oh, Tenso. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not all Vin. But they they managed to save most of the city. Two-thirds of the city, it says. So Spook really helped by getting that water back. And so he just strolls up to the guard at the, the, the door of this building where a lot of people are coming in and out. And the guy's like, hey, this ain't a place for dogs. Whose hound is this? And Tenzin's like, I belong to no man. I move for no man. I love how like Tenzin's just so pleased with himself here. He's like, hey, I'm a talking dog. And the guy's like, what the fuck? And he's just like, ha, 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 suck it. Yeah, it's much less subtle than I think what any of us expected uh, in our discussions about what it would be like when Tenzin showed up at Erto. He's just like, no, I'm going to be a talking dog and y'all are going to deal with it. He's got no time to. No. And I like how it. It's this point where he realizes, oh, wait, I don't have a master, like, at all. Holy shit. Yeah, it's very, very unusual for a Chandra. He was the first one in 700 years to do this, as far as he knew. Which, that's interesting, because it means that the first generation, or at least the second, also would go around without masters. And it's like, is that where the contract came from? Well, and he discussed in the previous book, I think, that it's like, once upon a time, they tried to live among humans. But the Alamancers, like, found them and took control of them or whatever, and that's why they developed the contracts. Yeah, yeah. And it just seemed like, oh, so that took a long time. I always sort of pictured that as, like, very early days. Like, it would have been mm. 100 years tops into the Lord Ruler's reign before that came up. And it's like, no, they were going for a solid 300 before shit hit the fan. Either that or it was 100 and there's just, like, been a few rebels among the seconds or thirds who went out with that Masters just to, like, you know, be dicks. 
That's true. I hadn't considered that possibility. We know that there are several in jail for like ever. So I guess some of them have done bad stuff. Yeah. But uh, they take him to Breeze, who's kind of in charge. And Breeze takes it uh, it really in stride. He's like, so were you always a conjurer or did you eat Vin Sound recently? And he's like, oh, no, I was always I a conjurer. I love that reaction. I thought that was so cool. He's just very <laughs> calm about it. So, right, now we know who you are. <laughs> Let's just have a chat, shall we? He's on his fifth cup of wine. It all makes sense. I was just like, oh, Tensoon's going to be like, oh, you're marinating yourself again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's much easier to relax about this kind of stuff when you got a good buzz on. Yep. So. Yeah. And Breeze makes the very logical assumption that this is Lord Renu, or the Chandra who was Lord Renu. So I guess really Vin never told them about like any of this crap that went down with the spy Chandra and all this other stuff. And Tensoon's like, okay, no, it's it's really complicated. And uh, he's like, you know, I've got to see Vin. I, I lied saying I had a message from her. I actually am looking for her. I have news I got to give her. And Priest's like, well, then, my dear man, uh, I suppose my dear doggy, let us retire and you can talk to Sazed. He's far more useful than I am regarding these <laughs> Your princess is in another castle. <laughs> well, I did like his little moment of panic around Breeze. It's like, don't touch me. Don't soothe me. And he's just like, no, no, it's cool. It's cool. He doesn't have Duralumin. We're all good. But he's just like, it adds the whole, in the last book, he was talking about how he didn't like Breeze very much. And it's like, oh, this sort of, yeah, I hadn't considered he, of course, he just have a natural fear of him. Yeah. Like an ingrained fear of what these things, people could do at one point. Yeah. But we cut to, to uh, Sazed explaining everything that's happened. And Tensoon's like, Fadrex City? Oh, damn it. That's like the other side of the empire. And if ruins right, uh, and it, like, and it, the world ends in days and not weeks, you won't make it in time, buddy. Yeah, probably not. Unless he's got some tricks up his sleeve somehow. Uh, and so he's like, so why do you want to talk to Vin anyway? And he thinks about like lying and saying no, nothing important, because Sazed likes you know, religion and uh, cultures and things, and he doesn't want to reveal the secrets of Conjure culture. But then he's like, no, I gotta. He's like, it's about the Hero of Ages and the world's end. Expecting Says to be like, oh, geez, I got to find out about this. But Says just like, oh, okay, then I'll give you whatever you need. Do you want to start immediately or do you want to rest first? And Tensu's just like, I don't, I, I never understand humans. They're so weird. Poor Says. He's still not in the best place. Yeah. Because I think we made a lot of remarks that, you know, when, when Tensu was in jail and talking about like, the religions and stuff like that. It was like, man, Says needs to hang out with this guy and get it and just get all those details. And then it turns out to say, yeah, Says is that far gone. He just don't give a shit. Yeah. I like, uh, Brandon's annotation says, I'm not sure if breeze is a good person to put in charge or not. He certainly enjoys the position and is a natural ordering people around. However, he might enjoy it a little too much. He's not self-reflective like Ellen or a man of action like Kelsier. He just loves sitting around and being adored while he tells everyone what to do. Being adored? Oh, sense. right. Sorry. I, I I put a space between the art uh, and door. And I'm like, what the hell is a door? Oh, okay. No. My bad. I'm on fire today. <laughs> Do you guys have like water or something? Or what? He said he was on fire. Because uh... we're on fire. The zing. No, this is Australia. We don't have water. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's a little bit of interesting backstory here that you guys might enjoy about contracts. It says, anyone who wanted to hire a Chandra left a message in a de dedicated place in Luthadel, and the Chandra would find you. 
a creature who was under direct contract by the Lord Ruler to act as an intermediary. Uh, a Conjure contract was completely confidential, even from the Lord Ruler, though he probably could have demanded to know the details if he wanted to. He didn't bother, as he never thought that one would be used in a plot against him. The Conjurer who arranged the contracts, a member of the fifth generation, would travel to the homeland with signed papers in Adium, and then would send a new Conjurer out to serve a new master. Nobody left the homeland without a contract. And if their contract ended or their master died, they returned immediately to the homeland. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, uh, next epigraph. This one is a big one. The prison preservation created for Ruin was not created out of preservation's power, but preservation sacrificed his consciousness, one could say his mind, to fabricate the prison, leaving a shadow of himself. Once Ruin escaped, he began to suffocate and isolate the small remaining vestige of his rival, which we've seen. It, the misspirit is dead now. I wonder if Ruin ever thought it strange that preservation had cut himself off completely from his own power, relinquishing it and leaving it in the world to be gathered and used by men. In Preservation's Gambit, I see nobility, cleverness, and desperation. He knew that he couldn't defeat Ruin. He'd given too much of himself. And besides that, he was the embodiment of stasis and stability. He could not destroy, not even to protect. Mankind, however, was made of both, with a little extra preservation in there, and he had to depend on his creations, give them his trust. I wonder what he thought when those creations repeatedly failed him. That's kind of a downer. Just totally typical, though. Uh, you guys dropped the ball again. That's right. Okay, so... Vin thinks that the best way to fool someone is to give them what they expect. So when Yeoman's people come for her again, she tries to escape. She hits one of them with a wooden table leg, or a wooden chair, cot leg, rather. But Yeoman sets so many guards that they managed to tackle her down, and uh, the fact that she dropped four of them made little difference. But that's still pretty impressive. Vin's a good fighter, even without Peter. So they drag her in front of Yeoman. He's like, surely you didn't think to escape without any metals to burn. I think I would think you'd be flattered. I didn't know if you're really as dangerous as reported, but I decided to assume that you were. And he's starting to monologue. And Vin makes her second attempt, uh, escape attempt. I can talk. She greased up her arms uh, and uh, slips them out of the manacles and goes for Yeoman. But he is burning at him. She can't grab him. And they, they get her down again. And Ruin slash Reen is standing there. He's like, yeah, that's too bad. You almost had him. But in another way, you were never anywhere close to it. Thanks. Not helping. He likes rubbing the, these things in. Yeah. And Yeoman's just like, uh, yeah, okay, so it's time. And she's like, time for what? And, oh, right. The, the whole trying me for the death of the Lord. Okay, yeah, fine. Completely oh, forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> I was thinking so hard about escaping that I forgot you're going to kill me or something. And so they have an interesting conversation where he's like, why did you come to Fadrex? And she gives some reasons for it. And he's trying to catch her, and he's like, oh, so you, you came here for invasion. And she's like, well, Ellen wanted to be diplomatic, but we both know it's kind of hard to be a diplomat when you're camping an army on someone's front lawn. And meanwhile, Ruin is over here like, this guy's a disappointment. He could have caused so much destruction, but I could never get through to him. Not every ploy can be successful. So we take that to assume that he tried to spike Yeoman like he did uh, Quillian and Penrod? Yep, and actually, there is a... Um, an annotation here that says Yeoman is not spiked. Ruin tried several times, but never managed to pull it off. So he went for it. He's trying to get spikes in all sorts of people, though. So I guess it shouldn't be a shock. No, oh, yeah. And Yeoman brings up the Church of the Survivor, and he's like, you're one of the heads, right? And she's like, no, not. It's, it's complicated. Uh, they kind of worship me, but I don't really want them to. And he has a real interesting point here where he's like, I don't get that. Like, how can they worship this guy who's dead? And she's like, well, people used to worship gods they couldn't see all the time. And he's like, okay, but how does that make sense when we have 
a god that you could see. Like, why would you not worship the Lord Ruler? He's this god that you can see. And she's like, uh, dude, he's gone also? And Yeoman's like, no, no, he's not. And like, Yeoman's like, I give uh, no credence to the reports of his death. And Vin's like, dude, he was he was pretty dead. Trust me. I was there. It happened. He's like, I don't trust you, I'm afraid. Uh, Tell me everything that happened. And she does. She tells him everything, including Say's guess about how the Lord Ruler was immortal. And Yeoman listens. And what Yeoman comes away from that with is, what I need to figure out is why the Lord Ruler wanted you to think that you killed him. So he thinks that the Lord Ruler is God, so he couldn't have died. So clearly this all must be part of the Lord Ruler's master plan, right? I was just like, oh boy, this conversation is going to go round and round in circles. Because when Levin <laughs> says, it's going to come back to, but he's not actually dead. He just wants you to think that. <sighs> wow. Maybe that's, that's what he wanted you to think. Well, and you would think, having read the plate that the Lord Ruler left in the cache, Yeoman uh, would be a little more willing to accept this, but I guess he just thinks that's part of the plan. Maybe the Lord Ruler wanted him to think that. And meanwhile, Ruin is like, why don't you want them to worship you, then? I mean, it's great. Being worshipped is the best. <laughs> She's like, do you mind? I'm having a conversation here. <laughs> and I like Yeoman's theory is maybe the Lord Ruler intends to return dramatically to depose you and prove that faith in him is the only true faith. Which is funny because we know that his religion, he didn't really care about people worshipping him that much. It was more of like a, a bureaucratic thing. And Vin is like, no, they're wrong to worship me. Which, it fits with what Ruin is saying, but doesn't fit so much with what Yeoman is saying, so it seems very strange. And she's like, no, the Lord Ruler's not coming back. I took his place. I'm not the heir of the survivor. I'm the heir of the Lord Ruler. Bum, bum, bum. He was my dad all along. Joe was bum, right. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I just thought it was funny how she's come from a completely different direction. She's on trial, and this is her conclusion. This is the exact same thing that Tensoon came up with while on trial. Yep, it's true. Like, I, I, I forgot that. Yeah, you two are in sync. They're good buddies. Yeah. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about it that way. But she concludes, like, Yeoman, you can't kill me. You said yourself that I'm part of some plan that your god has, right? So if you kill me, you mess up his plan. Foiling my plans. Foiling <laughs> my plans. Are you? I need an adult. I am an adult. And finally, um, she, she just Sorry. basically plays the Uno reverse card. It's like, you can't put me on trial for murder when you yourself don't think that I murdered him. Ah? Uh, I, I am the law. Got him. Got him, <laughs> Finn. Lawyered. <laughs> but, uh... Yeoman is like, no, what I want from you now is tell your husband to go away with his army. And he's like, you claim to be good people. You know that I will use this stuff in there to help my people. If he's, if Ellen is really so altruistic, he's not going to, like, kill a bunch of people and steal away all the food that my people need. And she's like, but you can't grow crops here, and we can. We need the seed. And he's like, then trade me for it. And she's like, but you wouldn't talk to us. Which is really, it comes back to that a lot, where... He's trying to be reasonable. It's like, but we sent lots of people and you wouldn't speak to us at all because we killed your God. So, yeah. But she she ends up being like, but it's not even really about that. We need what the Lord Ruler left. We need the Adium. And he's like, why? Like, who gives a fuck about Adium at this <laughs> yeah. point? It's like, my people can't eat metal. Not with that attitude. <laughs> those lumps of metal do me no good except to keep you in check. So there's Yeoman kind of coming out and saying... I do have the metal. It's just not worth anything. And he has her dragged off again. And that's the end of that chapter. 
And we get down to the last epigraph this time. I don't wonder we focus so much on the mists, but from what I now know of sunlight and plant development, I realize our crops weren't in as much danger as we feared. We probably could have found stuff that would grow. The ash was the real problem, and the smoke filling the atmosphere. Those were what would kill the world. And I think we've kind of established by this point that, uh, even without this epigraph, that the ash was the real problem. Yeah. Oh, it's just irony, because like, Russia created those to get rid of the mist, and it just didn't work. So... Good job, Rushek. You fucked it up. Also, the volcanoes and the uh, the earthquakes and stuff are not good either. But yeah, uh, somebody somebody in the uh, in the Discord was asking, like, where's where's merch for this show? And I was like, I've tried to come up with a couple of ideas, but it's hard without like treading on somebody else's intellectual property that the show's kind of based on. <laughs> what? Wait, who wants merch? I'm confused. And so I was like, I could, I mean, I could probably come up with a couple of things. Was, my, my idea was a shirt that's like, ask me about my volcano theory. Woo! That's, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, or uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Scott and Son Possum Exterminators. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd need a quote from the, the, the guy. Yeah. Uh, I earn off of this face, boy. You don't earn shit. <laughs> That's that's great. I heard off of this face boy. Uh, maybe you get like a picture of a band playing something while someone is getting beaten uh, in front of them, and then the caption is "It sucks to be a scar." Oh, it sucks to be a scar. Yeah, that would work. Anyway, sorry that that it's kind of far afield <laughs> that we went there, but now now you got me thinking of more ideas. We're we're, <laughs> we're gonna open the shop at some point, uh, selling random weird shirts. Yeah, a, a keychain that says "My cool loss is bigger." <laughs> <laughs> You can just say, I am human. Uh, somebody walks up and is like, oh, so you're human. Good to know. <laughs> uh, okay, the, the last chapter we read, Ellen is back. And it begins with Ham going, Ellen, you're back. And Ellen's like, oh, you're, you're surprised? He's like, oh, no, no, the scouts said you were coming, which they would, given that he's leading 30,000 Kolos. They'd be pretty crappy scouts if they didn't notice that. Was it the third Hobbit movie? And it's like, yeah, nothing gets past me, except <laughs> apparently an entire elven army. Oh. And so they start talking. There's no news of Vin since he left. And she's like, Ellen's like, no, she's alive. And Ham's like, yeah, I believe so too, man. And she's like, no, seriously, Ham, if she died, then those thousand Koloths would have gone nuts. And Ham's like, oh, well, that would have been good to know earlier. He's like, yeah, sometimes I forget how many I'm controlling. It's kind of hard to keep track of. Uh, But we also get word that uh, things in the central dominance are bad. Most of the scouts did not return, and no one knows what happened to Demu and the 300 men that got sent. So that sucks. A lot of the cities have been lost. People are starving. And some cities have been completely swallowed by the rumbling earth. King Lacal, who, if you remember, Sazed and Breeze were negotiating a treaty with him at the beginning of the book, his city fell to lava. And we haven't heard from Janaral in weeks. His entire retinue seems to have vanished. Inquisitors. It's all Inquisitors. Well, and this is the last mention I think we get of Janaral. And there's a bit in the annotations here where Brandon's like, uh, Janaral is a side character who ended up becoming kind of a side side character. It's important that he vowed, bowed to Vin at the end of the second book. But he quickly became somebody I didn't have time to deal with in this book. His disappearance is not, in fact, due to one of Ruin's spikes. Jarl simply bolted. The stress of running a kingdom, even a subject one, was more than he'd anticipated. He was a soldier, not a king, and he was only a minor lord before his elevation. Having already lost Erto, the best and most profitable city under his rule to rebels, he suffered through a couple assassination attempts and dealt with Kolos rampaging through his dominance, slaughtering villages, then ash mounts erupting and destroying cities. He decided it was time to get out. Packed up his food, his family, and his guards, and fled north 
towards the Terrace dominance. Eventually, they were all captured by Kolos and turned into Kolos themselves. Oh, jeez, that's uh, that's wow. grim. Ugh. So yeah, that's uh, that's what happened to Gennaro. It's like uh, not where I thought that story was gonna end. Right. So Ellen and Hammer talking, and I like Ham's like. So before you do anything else, you might want to change clothes because you're covered in blood still. And he's thinking that the Miss Spirit didn't want him to attack, but he's also not sure that he should trust the Miss Spirit. It did stab him one time. And does he really want to, like, hang his entire empire's future on a creepy ghost in the mist waving at him? And so Ellen comes down. He's like, I got to be the guy who makes the hard decisions. That's what Vin was trying to teach me. I took these Kolos for a purpose, and now we're going to use them. Inform the soldiers we're going to attack in the morning. Uh, we're going to rescue Vin. We're going to get in that cavern, and we're going to go back to Luthadel with the food supplies, and we're going to survive as long as we can. And that is the end of the chapter. So, Yeah. I also find it a little strange that, I mean, in the last chapter, we were just like, oh, hey, he's getting this message not to attack. He's a good guy. He's not going to attack. But his logic makes sense that he's like, OK, so a weird ghost told me not to attack. And I don't know that I should trust weird ghost things. So that's fair. Makes sense. It's still a bit of a gut punch knowing what we know. But yeah, the point is yep. we have knowledge he doesn't. So indeed. OK. It makes me think what's going to happen in, in Luthadel as well now that. Mm. Ellen is sort of disregarding everything that preservation told him. Yep. If he's not going back to Luthadel, then uh, things are already bad there. Apparently we don't know how bad. So yeah. Well, yeah, let's get into predicaments. What do you guys think is going to happen in the remaining 26% of the book? We're at 74% now. Uh, oh, is right. it me? Is it me first? Sure. Dad, go first. Okay. So I am still not sure. I, I have a feeling that I don't know how Tensoon's got to get to Fadrex because he's got to he's got to meet up with Vin. I don't know how he's going to do it. Whether he you know eats a horse's bones and becomes a horse or he rides a horse, I don't know. But I feel like he's got to go there and he's and he's got to take Kelsey's bones with him. And he's uh, I feel like yeah he's he's got he's got the bones. He has to appear as Kelsey to someone. And I think it's really just gonna that'll 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 be settling down the conflict there or possibly making making it worse by appearing as Kelsier and everyone's just like, oh shit, the survivor's here. And maybe Yeoman's like, maybe he really did survive. Maybe because this whole thing was like, why would they worship Kelsier? He's already dead. The only thing holding me back from that theory is like, if that was the case, why, why in the in the course of the narrative, why would Brandon send Ten soon to Erto at all? So he's got to, he's also got to do something up there, but I don't quite know what yet. Yeah. I'm not sure. I feel like Reen is going to break out of her own accord because yeah, she's just kind of, uh, kind of going to do that. Vin, shit. Green. And I was like, I did. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I, I was real. Uh, I was real confused. I am, I am just firing on all bloody cylinders today. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long week. Yeah, Vin's gonna Vin's gonna break out of her of her own accord, and I don't know. Maybe she maybe she tries to turn Ellen back, and then Ellen forces his way into Fadrex, and yeah, everything just goes to shit. I don't know. Like I feel like a lot happened in these chapters in Erto, so it's kind of hard to predict what the hell's going to go on there. Um, so everything's focusing yep. on Fadrex at the moment. Everything has changed a lot in Erto, so... Yeah. Right, fair enough. Uh, Joe? So, we've got uh, we've got a lot of players on the board now, right? Spook burned himself up real real good, so don't know what else we're going to see of Mr. Spook. Tensun, I, I guess he's going to make his way all the way to Fadrex? I don't really know how that's going to work out for him. My guess is, my prediction is on that, that he probably won't show up till near the end and then, uh, you know, help Vin out in some way or help Ellen out in some way. 
I feel like it would be kind of par for the course with this book if he ever if he never actually saw Vin again. Like if he just like had to help out in other ways and never actually got to reconnect with her. Oh. Which you know, I mean, yeah, that might be sad, but I feel like that would be that's not that would not be unexpected uh, for Brandon to do that. I feel like Um, then. Yeah, I mean, she's she's committed to escaping now, it seems like. So and if Ellen is really going to go through with this plan to attack Fadrex, then I guess it's probably going to come to a head pretty quickly with with her with her trying to escape. Yeoman, again, he's just like an interesting dude. And, and again, he's a zealot, which I, which I like. That kind of that kind of mentality, like he she straight up told him, yeah, I killed him. This is exactly how it happened. And he's like, no, no, he's just pretending to be dead. So now I just have to figure out why he's pretending to be dead. And and so that's <laughs> that's something that's that's kind of amazing when you hear somebody rationalize it that way. It's like he's just pretending to be dead. He'll come back. So that's that was interesting for sure. Yeoman's an interesting dude, so I'd be interested to know how far that zealot uh, like behavior is going to take him. My guess is he's gonna he's gonna not turn around to our hero's perspective, and he's going to continue to hold on to his beliefs probably until he dies, uh, which mm. which probably will happen. And as far as Says and Breeze go, it looks like Breeze may be setting himself up real nicely in Erto, but I can't imagine they're going to want to stay there. So maybe the whole gang will travel back to, towards Fadrex with, with uh, Tennyson. I don't know. They've got to regroup, though, or if they don't regroup, it's going to be kind of crazy because they can't go back. It, it seems like they can't go back to Luthadel, or if they do, it's just kind of going to be chaos there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything super solid, but those are just my feelings about maybe where their characters are going and what they're thinking or doing, so. So, there's an interesting part to Yeoman's, uh, oh, crap, I just lost the word, to Yeoman's zealotry, that's the word I was looking for. Zealotry, is that really a word? I think so. Uh, Let's see. That, I don't know that anyone has picked up on yet, but if Yeoman is an obligator and believes very strongly in the Lord ruler and his, his you know, as God and his church and, uh, the, the hierarchy of, uh, the church of the Lord ruler, then there's, uh, something else very interesting that could come into play. And I guess I won't say much more than that, but there's, there's a part of the oh, church that we've forgotten wow. about. Um, well, zealotry is a word. I looked it up. It's a good job. Thanks. What could that be? We've forgotten about it. I mean, him fighting the deepness, but I don't know. Um. Anyway, so it's a fun fact to think on. Uh, Jamie, what do you got for predicaments? So I don't, I don't have a lot here. I am in agreement that, like Tensoon, he he will go to Fadrex. There's still a little bit in Erto. I think that we need to to sort out. There's there's a lot of sort of everyone's got a little bit of information that I really. I really feel like they need to just come together and have a really solid discussion before mm-hmm. everyone splits up and goes their separate ways. Last week, I was the Debbie Downer of the situation, thinking that Vin wouldn't make it out of Fadrex. She still may not make it out of Fadrex City, but I think I've got a little bit more hope for her after these chapters. Um, she's put up a bit of a fight and... I guess knowing that Yeoman's got a little bit more going on with his his thought process has sort of filled me with a bit of hope that there's something else that he needs from her. 
it could get a bit dangerous now that she's gone and declared herself the new Lord Ruler, though. So that's, um, yeah, that could be really interesting. I don't know if we will make it back to Lutherdell, although I feel like there's this story that needs to resolve there too. So someone will probably go back to Lutherdell. Maybe the guys in Erto will sort of divide and conquer. Maybe Sazed will go back there. Sazed and Tensoon, I think, need to really talk about this religion aspect because we've gone through so much of this book with Sayes just trying to search for what's actually the truth and I feel like this is where he's going to get his answers and, and sort of come back to being the Sayes that we want to see and, you know, Tensoon sort of hit it on the head here. It's like he just didn't care. He was like, all right, you're going to go to Fadrix, off you go. Like no, he's got no interest in talking about it any further, which is just sad. So I really hope that they sort of get a chance to explore that further and, and Sazed finds the answers that he's looking for as well. Um, yeah, that's really all I've got today. I don't know what's going to happen with Beldry and Quellian, whether they're still involved in Urtau or if they've gone underground or something like that. I mean, it, it obviously there was a lot going on there in terms of Quellian having a spike. You know, he he was going sort of through his own stuff, even though he might not have been the greatest of people to begin with. It wasn't all him, much the same as I guess we're going to hopefully see with Penrod as well. But I don't know what's going to happen with them now, if they're going to effectively be part of the crew. Are they going to stay on in some sort of leadership capacity in Urtau? Are they just going to disappear entirely? I don't know. But I knew we couldn't trust Beldry. <laughs> <laughs> they were way too trusting of her way too quickly. So Absolutely. And it's not a coincidence that right after Spook says the thing, it's like, we should have been attacked by now, that that's when Quellian's, like, assassin shows up. Yeah. And uh, he says in the annotations at the time, which, of course, I couldn't read, that it's like, oh, no, she didn't run past the soldiers and trick them. She had Quellian's orders to go into this building and try to, like, kill them. So, yeah. Too trusting. Way too trusting. But you got an interesting point about needing to share information, because at this point, Vin knows some stuff from her conversations with Ruin Ellen maybe knows some stuff from his conversation with Preservation, but I think Spook may be the only one who knows about, like, the connection between, like, having metal in you and this thing being able to influence you. Yeah, yeah. So they really, they really, they really have to swap some stories because it may help them, or it could just be too late. Um, you know, we think that the, the world is going to end. I, I actually don't think we're going to save Gadriel, but, yeah. May, it might give them something, might lead them in a direction, or I don't know. Mm. Any rocket ship. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> quick, quick, learn how to make uh, space travel possible. <laughs> Just real quick, yeah. Yeah. Although maybe that explains Dak's thing about, like, why did Spook live? Because he's the only one who can provide this information now, so they kind of need him. Well, not necessarily. Quellian might have figured it out, considering he also saw uh, Kelsey have the, yep. have the spike ripped out and then saw Kelsey go away. Good point. I don't know how forthcoming with information he will be willing to be, though, where Spook knows why he ripped the spike out. Yeah, true. Okay, I guess let's get into the wrap-up here. We have a couple of reviews, and I think an email that I want to go over before we get into uh, the announcement about what we're reading next. Uh, the, first, the first review is a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It says, it's from Reading Dini 7 it says, I love this podcast. As someone whose friends won't read any of the Cosmere, this podcast is amazing. I've wanted to read some of these novels for the first time again, and this is an amazing, realistic way to do it. 
The predictions are amazing, whether they're wrong or another crackpot volcano-style one. That's going to follow me to my grave. Yep. My tombstone is just going to be my name and then a big picture of a volcano. Sweet. <laughs> pretty pretty Actually, badass. pretty awesome. Yep. I was about to say, like, what's wrong with this? <laughs> okay, so Joe, do your thing. Because that's the most remarkable thing that's happened in your life. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of the review? Yeah. Oh, okay. Man, you uh, you really walk alone. You really pull uh, pull us into you. You know, you're a, you're a lurcher. Okay. There you go, reading Dini7. You're a lurcher. And then we have something from Salva, who leaves comments on lots of our episodes on Podbean and uh, has sent us stuff before. And it says, I give this podcast five stars. I can't download Apple Podcasts in Android. Can I still be on the Misting Crew? Please. I love this podcast. Keep going. So that's a comment they left on our Podbean page. Oh, yeah. You could be in the Misting Crew. You're, you, you seem real jazzed about it. Uh, so you're you're a total rioter. Nice. Uh, okay, let me... Okay, we got an email from Lucia again. It says, Hello, fellow Spook fans. I hope you're having a great week, and I can't wait to listen to the new episode. The Standard Lance is really the only good thing about Mondays. It was so fun to listen to you answer my email, and I've listened to your arguments about Sazed, and I understand this is why I love to discuss books with other people. When I was listening to the last episode, I remembered one thought that I had while reading the third book, Vin and Ellen can't communicate with each other about their plans against Ruin, but why don't they do it by writing in metal? Like, I know it might be hard or expensive or time-consuming, but it's the end of the world we're talking about. I don't know if they can afford to leave stuff unspoken and hope that love or trust or whatever makes them succeed. Uh, can't wait for you to finish the book and hear your thoughts and opinions on the whole trilogy. I hope you do another Predigments episode like you did the end of book one, where you give final opinions. I wish you a beautiful week. Wasing to the time of next, Lucia. So I don't know. What do you guys think of that? Uh, I guess it would make sense for them to communicate with... Uh, we talk about that once we talk about lots I, of things I, I feel like yeah we talked about it and said and said oh why don't they just scratch it into some metal and there was i, I feel like yeah i don't know maybe i'm misremembering i could have sworn we had a discussion um about wasn't them part doing of that. the issue sorry wasn't part of the issue that we thought they were actually trying to hide from ruin what they were planning so ruin could still read what they wrote on the metal they just wouldn't be able to change it oh that may have been the thing like we don't know why they can't it, yeah. read the metal Mm, yep that sounds that sounds reasonable because yeah it doesn't say that he he doesn't know those things it says that it's just not to be trusted if it's not set in metal so mm. yeah so he yeah he could he could still read it just not change it mm. okay so we're going to move on to the talking about what we're reading next so the email that i managed to track down in all of our emails that i talked about helped me make the decision was from jason hey jay jaron jameson good old jefferson and he mentions that there's lots of uh, stuff, there's there's lots of reasons, and it's true, there's lots of good reasons out there for reading Secret History Now or Secret History Later. But one that he's like, I think a lot of people overlook, is the importance of, and I'm not going to say exactly what it is, there's, let, let's just say there's a concept or thing or character, there's there's a, some sort of thing that through reading these books, you gradually piece together and discover the significance of. And so you might see references to this thing like five times before it's like, Oh, now I get why this has been like important this whole time. And it's a really fun moment of realization. Like, oh my gosh, I've been missing this this whole time. And it makes rereads really interesting. And there's lots of stuff like this. He's pointing to one specifically. There's lots of stuff like this where it's like when you go back and reread, you're like, oh, how did I miss all this the first time? Now this all makes so much sense. So that was a reason that Jason thought maybe leave it until after era two of Mistborn. But the reason that convinced me in the opposite direction 
was because of kind of the concept that I was going for around the show. The idea is that because we're not going to be doing a reread on the air. If we manage to get through all the stuff in the Cosmere, as we talked about last time, it's a long, long haul. Then we will be doing pretty amazingly well. There's not there, there's not like a reread scheduled so that we can go back and read all the same stuff again and be like, oh, look at all the stuff we missed. Like that would be so far away if that was even a concept that I had, which is really kind of not. So the idea behind the show is that you guys will have the maximum chance to spot these sort of connections and significance of these sort of things the first time through. It's not possible to, you know, get everything the first time through. Just for instance, there's lots of hints about like the way Coloss are made. And obviously it wasn't possible to spot that the first time through without spoiling the reveal, which was a cool reveal that we did get to have. So it's not like I'm, sh I'm, I'm determined that you're going to spot every single thing, but I want to give you guys the most opportunity to spot the most stuff as we go along, which to me was a big reason that uh, we would want to do secret history next. So that is what we're going to do as soon as we're finished with this one. Well, and technically the very next thing we're going to read is uh, the essay on the Skadrian system that appears in Arcanum Unbounded right before secret history, but it's like three pages long. So that's not a big thing. Uh, we're going to read that and then we're going to start reading secret history. So for anyone who's going to be following along, who's following along now, that is where we're going next. If you didn't pick up a copy of Arcanum Unbounded when we did the 11th medal back once upon a time, now might be the time to go out and get it. Although you can get Mistborn Secret History separately. You just won't get the uh, the essay that we're going to be reading. But that is what's coming up next, guys and gals. We have, let me look at my schedule. Oh, that's the wrong one. That's my list of Pokemon that I haven't caught yet. We have four more at episodes. At least 150 or more. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I'm playing the, the, the expansion pass for Pokemon Shield, and so ah. I'm trying to complete the Isle of Armor Pokedex, but there's like three that you can only catch in Sword. So I had a list that was like, these are all the ones I need to catch to complete the Pokedex, and now there's a spreadsheet that's just these three Pokemon, and you have to get them in Sword. Uh-huh. So, anyway. Some played those, the, new, the Sword and Shield. I like, I, I like. But anyway, so four more episodes of this book, and then we're moving into... The Skadrian System Essay and Part 1 of Secret History. Secret History is interesting because it's divided into like six parts, and then each part is divided into chapters. So uh, we'll mostly be reading like one part per episode. There's it, That changes a little bit towards the end, but anyway. So speaking of what we're reading next, for next time, we're reading five more chapters. 62, 63, 64, 65, and 66. So that is what's coming up next there. And so thank you for everyone who sent in emails and suggestions about, like, why you thought we should do Secret History next and why you thought we should wait till after Bands of Mourning. And I hope nobody's terribly upset by the way we decided to go. Honestly, most of the emails that I got were like, eh, here's kind of my opinion. But, you know, I trust that you guys will make a great show regardless. So, you know, do what you want to do. So there was no one who seemed really emotionally invested one way or the other. So I'm glad for that, at least, that we're not going to be disappointing anyone too horribly. Uh, but for those who have not read the Cosmere before or have been following along with us, this should be, uh, you're going to get a different experience than some other people do. Because like I said, I want you guys, including those of you following along reading with us to be able to spot all these connections and all these, uh, cool, uh, important recurring themes and things, uh, the first time through, if possible, I, th I think that'll make it more fun. So if anyone else wanted to send us emails, the email address is the Sanderlanch at gmail.com. You can tweet at us. Which someone did tweet at us like this last week and we're like, hey, I've been listening to your show for a few episodes now. I can't figure out what the song is and I haven't heard any credit for it in the first 10 episodes or so. And I was like, 
uh, I was bad at that at the very beginning, and I probably did skip several episodes. But there are several episodes in there where I cre- I credit it, and I try to do it every episode. Music by Miracle of Sound. So I responded to that person on Twitter. But yeah, you can tweet at us and get my attention that way. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're in all the places. All the places that you can reasonably be. So thanks, everybody. And wasing to the time of next. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust, the foundations of our hope begin to rust. Choking fear, screaming sound as the reaper comes